Hey everyone, welcome to City Church OTR's Sermons Podcast. Here you will find all of the sermons and teachings that are given at our Sunday services. We also have our original City Church OTR podcast, which has more conversations, interviews, and more interactive content. As always, we would love to meet you. Check out our Instagram to see what we're doing this week and our website, citychurchotr.com, to meet one of our pastors. Enjoy. Guys, it was um, a really incredible, like an incredible trip. And I went uh, probably a little bit out of like, oh, I should go, like I helped lead this church, so make sure everything goes well. And uh, especially that story Ben just told me, uh, I will, it's too early in the morning for this, but uh, I will like forever cherish that moment of, seeing a man who already knew Jesus. We didn't lead him to Jesus, but who just wanted to go through the, the ordinance that Jesus instituted of baptism. Um, really, really special. Uh, you guys should also know, coming back, uh, this team that you sent was absolute all-stars. Like, I can't, I can't imagine a trip that could have gone any better. Um, and I could say something about each person that went. I'm glad you guys got to hear a couple. I wanna say just maybe two. First of all, uh, your worship leader is a rock star. Jalen, like, and I mean, I obviously mean that in every sense of the word. I have never seen somebody like so alive for so many days straight. And he'd like cook with our cook because he's a chef by training. And then uh, we'd walk anywhere we'd go. Uh, except for really Serhe, we couldn't talk to them. But we figured out that worship is an international language, and your boy speaks it. Um, and uh, and we're, I, I said this, and I hope I don't regret it, but I was like, bro, if you ever moved to another country, like, I'd be so sad. But it would, like, it would make a lot of sense. Um, and we're not praying that right now, Mrs. Harold, but I uh, just want you to know that. Um, but he was an all-star. Also, uh, two weeks ago, I got to do a wedding uh, where I married a couple, and JB and Kayla, they did like the normal honeymoon thing. They went on a honeymoon, and then they like joined us for the second week of their honeymoon in Mexico. And that's just weird, guys. <laughs> it's like not normal. Like for you to put your stamp on your marriage that early of like, no, this is what we're about. And so they were awesome. I can't believe that like, you know, when you look at pictures, uh, we've put some on social media. Probably not what you imagine when you think honeymoon, and uh, super proud of them. Also, one last thing, uh, what Lena didn't tell you is she got baptized there. Sorry. And uh, we went to a church service on Thursday night. Uh, of course, none of us understood it, uh, almost none of us. And, uh, but they, they invited us up for Lena to get baptized, and so I said a few words. Nobody knew what I was saying. Uh, and then Ben, her dad, baptized her and said a few words. Nobody knew what he was saying. Here's what's crazy. She came out of the water, and everybody, Mexican and American, started cheering. Because there's something about the church that speaks certain languages, even if it's not like an actual, like, by the tongue. And so everybody in the church, everybody in Jesus knows what death to life looks like, what identifying with his death and his resurrection, what identifying with the church looks like. And so they didn't know what I said, they didn't know what Ben said, but they knew what Lena did. And I was just so reminded, we were talking about this in debrief yesterday. The church 
is global. The church doesn't know borders. The church doesn't know, I mean, the church is this global movement that didn't start here and started 2,000 years ago, but wow, there is so much momentum. There is so much momentum behind this thing, and it's a joy to get to see it happening other places and know, okay, we play a small part, you know, we're here in Ohio, we want to steward this well, and we're a part of something that has a ton of momentum behind it, and we're not going to let that thing down. We got 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. Like, I want to see that thing speed up because of City Church OTR. And uh, I felt like we got to experience a little bit of the global church yesterday and see uh, certain things uh, that even uh, is above language. Um, speaking of revivals, uh, there was an America, like there was a revival in America called the Second Great Awakening. Um, raise your hand, and I don't expect a lot of hands here, but has anybody heard of Daniel Nash? Raise your hand if you've heard of Daniel Nash. Okay, couple. Um, has anybody heard of Charles Finney? Raise your hand if you've heard. Okay, a lot more. A lot more Charles. Let's talk about Charles. Charles um, was alive for most of the 1800s, a lawyer. Kind of famous story about him is when he was 29, he goes into the woods because he thought he was a Christian, but he wasn't quite sure. So he said, God, I'm not leaving the woods until you tell me that, like, I'm in you. That's a man that could start a revival. (laughs) That's a beard that could start a revival. And, uh, and so he comes out of the woods, and phrases come from his, I think it's his autobiography, that says, in the woods, he was met with liquid love and waves of electricity that filled his body, and he came out a different man. He quit law, and he goes into itinerant preaching, and he's uh, called the father of modern revivalism. He, there's a, all kinds of stories about Charles Finney. One of them was, as he was going through, uh, especially the Northeast, he went to a cotton factory in Utica, New York, and he walked in, and... Um, he didn't say anything at this point, but some woman knew who he was and started making fun of him, a worker there. And so the story goes, he just looked at her. He was so filled with the presence of God, he looked at her, and her, t- her laughter moved to conviction, which moved to tears, which moved to repentance. No words have been spoken yet. And then the people around her on her factory line started to get hit with the conviction of God. Eventually, the, the manager of the cotton factory actually had to shut it down Uh, because all of his employees had been hit with the conviction of God. The the store, I mean, many accounts say 3,000 out of 3,000 employees there ended up giving their life to Jesus or choosing to follow him. Not one person could like stand against the gospel when Charles Finney didn't even say he walked into that cotton factory. A lot of people believe uh, it's up to 500,000 people gave their life to Jesus through just the ministry of Charles Finney. Now, uh, Nash, Daniel Nash, isn't quite as well known. He was a pastor about the same time. He was fired from his church because he was too old. Uh, he was 46, so my days are numbered. Uh, but he was fired for being too old, and he was really hurt by that, so he decided, uh, I'm just going to join in on was this early ministry of Charles Finney. You know, he'd just gotten started. So he joins in, and he starts to become a partner with Finney. But he's not just a partner with Finney. He's actually the guy that goes ahead of Finney. And he would go to towns, and he would pray for two. He'd get a couple friends from that town, people of peace, and he'd get people to start praying. And uh, he'd be there two, three, four weeks just travailing in prayer. And then he would send a message back to Finney and say, hey, the spiritual ground is now ready. And that would spark Finney to come. And we don't know about Uh, Nash very well, but what we do know is um, four months after his death, Charles Finney quit itinerant preaching because uh, 
just kind of shockingly, the power of his ministry had started to wane. And, uh, and history, I mean, uh, so many more hands were raised. I, I barely, I don't think I'd ever heard really of Daniel Nash before a few months ago. Um, but history knows, by the raise of hands, history knows who Charles Finney is. Hell knew who Daniel Nash was. History knows who Charles Finney is, but hell was very well acquainted with who Daniel Nash is. And I'm going to say something, and it's going to seem obvious, and it's almost a waste of the like, little time I have this morning. Um, but I'm going to say prayer matters. I know, and it's like so obvious, 101, but prayer like really matters. And uh, two months ago, I stood up here, and I was like, guys, uh, it's going to be okay, but our time is being cut short here at Shakespeare. I didn't want to tell you. I just wanted to deal with it on my own. And then uh, my dear friend Matt was like, well, what if like the whole church knew? And everyone got to pray, and then everyone got to celebrate when God answers this prayer. And I was like, ah, you're so right. And so uh, against my will, I stood up here, and I was like, uh, guys, we need to pray. Like, we don't have a home um, in a few months, but God's good, and he's going to provide. And uh, again, a couple announcements. First of all, prayer really matters. Second of all, City Church OTR, we're going home. We have found a home. The, the Bengals, when they lose like 7 to 40, get better claps than that. So we're going home. God has given us a home, City Church. Come on. So stoked, Ben. We have a verbal offer accepted on a church building uh, that we're going to move into. It's just like, it's like more than we needed. It's more than we've asked for, for less money than we thought we were going to have to pay. Guys, it is insane. And so we're hoping to close on it mid-December. It's near Finley Market. Here's, uh, here's what I want to say about it. First of all, um, it is a beautiful, like you can go to the next slide, a beautiful auditorium with pews, stained glass. There's an organ there. Be ready. Um, <laughs> it, seats, uh, it seats 500, which you know, we're not like big on like, okay, now we got to fill it. Here's what I'll say I'm excited about. There was a moment when occupancy was lower because of COVID that we had to go to two services here. And it was fine. It was great. We loved it. No, we, sorry, that's not the point. We didn't really love it. Um, and being that big of an auto, uh, sanctuary means that at least for uh, the foreseeable future, we won't have to go to two services because that's just, we'll do it when we have to. And with current growth as where we're headed right now, that's not going to be like any time in the next year. And I'm really excited about that. I'm excited that we don't have to split up and do um, two services. It has classrooms. It's got a fellowship hall that I imagine has been anointed with many, many potlucks. Um, and this is crazy. It's got a full court basketball court. Uh, there's this verse. You've seen it on your grandma's wall, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. I couldn't, you know, I love finding like not cliche verses, but there's not a verse that could describe the situation that we're in better than that right there. And maybe, maybe your prayers were different. My prayer was not that. My prayer was like, give us like someplace that we can meet. And God has given us more than we could have asked or imagined. I actually said up here one day, I was like, look, if you want to look, please feel free to help. We need probably four, 5,000 square feet. This is 35. 
And again, it's at a fraction of the cost of what we thought we were going to have to pay. Uh, my friend Ben, who is just up here, sometimes he gets a little overwhelmed and a little bit excited. And he says this phrase, God's awesome. He just like gets over it and he just screams it. And I checked into it. Theologically, it checks out. Uh, <laughs> God's awesome. God is like awesome. God has gone above and beyond. And we still, we need to pray this thing over the finish line. It's not like signed, we have the keys, but all the, all the emails back and forth and the verbal agreements and the way that we're seeing this happen, everyone's like, yep, this is gonna happen early, mid-December. And I wanted to say, thank you guys so much for praying. This has been really complicated. <laughs> I'll share with you sometime or don't because it's really boring and just awful, but a very complicated real estate transaction. Um, I wanna thank a few people. I wanna thank our board because, and they're not here, I'm not just saying that because they're my boss, uh, but they've been really good to me in this. This has been a little overwhelming for me to primarily handle, and, uh, and there's been moments where I'm like, this is too big, this is too much for like a church our age, our size, and they're like, Chris, this is the favor of God. Like, you gotta buy that thing. And uh, so thanks to our board, uh, there's a couple older guys, uh, they're not old, there's just a couple older guys in ministry that have been really good to me as well, that have bought buildings, led ministries. So uh, Pastor Jeff and Dwight, who spoke last week, have been just a good sounding board. It's really humbling when like people that you know have just walked with Jesus for a long time come to this church that is led by someone younger than them. And it's meant a lot that um, I've got to lean into their wisdom, so thank you. Uh, also, Andy Greer is a general contractor, and I just feel so much better knowing I'm not the only one that's like, walked through it and read the inspection report. So Andy, thank you so much. You've been a huge help. I feel so much better. My friends have listened to me whine about this. Uh, Catherine especially um, has been so good as there's been like high stress, late nights, early mornings, phone calls, all kinds of things. Uh, so many people have like poured into this thing happening. And there's been lots of stressful moments in starting a church, uh, but the phone call I got starting this process was probably up there. Uh, it was, I was actually meeting, I remember, in a coffee shop, I was meeting with Brian Cromer, who is the pastor of Queen City, and we were just talking about the woes that they've experienced, or they experienced in COVID, of how they had to find a space and move from this place to that place, and I was thinking, like, gosh, we've had it pretty easy, and as we're talking, I get a call from Shakespeare, and I'm like, that's weird, they never call me, and, uh, and my stomach, like, just tightened, and I called him back, and it was the call of, uh, yeah, hey, you know, they were nice about it, but, you know, you got to move out. And, uh, and here's what I thought. I was, um, I was like, not right now. Like, this, I don't need a crisis right now. I don't need to deal with this right now. We've gone through, like, other building hunts that obviously haven't turned out, like, into a permanent space. Um, and here's what was overwhelming is I thought we were starting from scratch. I just figured, because we had no leads, but we weren't, because I forgot that there had been a team that was praying long before this every Monday night. And so uh, here's your Monday night building prayer team. It's Ben and Mandy Oliai, and then usually their kids, uh, and Daniel Morris, who have, they didn't start praying when I got the call. They like went ahead of this thing. They've been praying since before we got the call. They weren't reactionary, they were proactive. And I believe in part, we have a building because they were the Daniel Nash of this church. And so thank you for praying, Daniel. Thank you for praying, Oliais. They've like moved here from Vegas to be a part of this, and now they're walking around the cold, so I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, 
there's so many uh, advantages to, uh, I'm gonna switch gears, so many advantages to being married to an accountant. Uh, I would say we are probably more organized than your average family. Um, our budget is like impeccably clean and nice and all the formulas work. Uh, huge advantage to being married to someone who has an accounting background. Uh, very few disadvantages. But one, <laughs> where's she at? Uh, but one is every now and then, especially early on in our marriage, I would just start talking about big ideas and she would immediately shoot them down because they weren't practical. Because <laughs> she lives in the practical. And it was so frustrating. I didn't even get to get the idea out. And she's like, well, you know, that probably wouldn't work. And I'm like, yeah, I, I do know that, but I, I feel like I still want to talk about it. <laughs> and, uh, and so we've come up with this phrase in our little family that we say, which is, just dream with me. And if I say it, she knows practicality is out the window, at least for a moment. Uh, and I live in the practical, but I'm like, I throw it out. And so here's what I want to say. Just for like three minutes, all you accountants, all you artists, you're going to love this. <laughs> you live here. We'd love to have you out of the clouds every now and then, but you live in the dream with me stage. I just want to ask, would you just dream with me for like a second? Like three minutes, practicality goes out the window because uh, not every dream is going to happen. Uh, but what dream with me means, at least in the Marlin family, is uh, let's see if any godly creativity is sparked. Let's throw out some ideas. Not everything's going to happen. Some of them are ridiculous, but some of them might stick because I've been listening to stories from this church. It's 130 years old. I've been listening to stories about how they've interacted with World War II, what they did during the Vietnam War, how they've served the over-the-Rhine neighborhood for generations. And I'm just wondering, what could the legacy of that building continue to be in another 130 years? Just dream with me. Just dream with me for a second. What could the legacy of that building be? I wonder how many of you are going to get baptized in that building. I wonder if some of you are going to get married in that building. I wonder if some of your kids are going to get baptized and get married in that building. I wonder how much art is going to be created there. How many friends are going to be befriended there? How many songs are going to be written there? I wonder if your kids might one day be dedicated there. Maybe even your kids' kids are going to be dedicated in that building. I wonder, I'm just so curious, how many hours of prayer are going to arise out of that place like incense? I wonder what parts of the world, literal, like this, is, this can happen, what parts of the world are going to change because of the prayers that are prayed in this building? I wonder what God might speak to me in that building. I wonder what God might speak to you during a church service. I wonder what God might say in the midst of a worship night. I wonder what life change is going to happen in you and me. What things are going to change because we've encountered God in that building. I wonder what that neighborhood might, might start to look like. And what the block next to it, and then the block next to it, and then the block next to it is going to look like. I wonder how many times in the last 130 years the presence of God has been so tangibly thick there, and I wonder how many more times in the next 130 years is the presence of God, because of the way that we prepare and move into this place, is going to be so tangibly thick there. Just dream with me for a second. This building is uh, the meeting of a physical need that this church had. How many more physical needs are going to be met from within that building going out? 
How many things are going to interact with that neighborhood that couldn't have happened if we didn't have that place? I wonder what kind of addictions are going to be broken off in that building. I wonder what diseases are going to walk into that building, but they're not going to walk out because of the power of God. I wonder, I'm just dream with me for a second, what kind of miracles are we going to see inside of this church. I wonder how many times the greatest miracle of all is going to happen, salvation. How many people are going to come to know Jesus that did not know him before and choose to start following him, all because the presence of God has chosen to dwell among a people. I wonder how many times and in how many different ways God's going to visit this church, not because we have a building, but since we do in that building. And the closest thing biblically we have to something like this is the temple. Uh, When we look back, the temple was the place the nation of Israel worshipped. In the temple, if you read through uh, the Old Testament and even the beginning of the New, in the temple, the presence of God manifested several, like, physical times. Uh, John the Baptist, his birth was prophesied in the temple. Jesus was dedicated in the temple. Jesus did much of his teaching in the temple courts. Uh, There were so many fulfillments of prophecies in the temple. Uh, As he hung on the cross and breathed his last, the the veil in the temple was actually torn top to bottom. So many different things happened in that building. And it started with a guy named Solomon who built it, but really it didn't start with Solomon. It started with Solomon's dad, David, who started to sew into the building so that Solomon could build it. Here's what David says in 1 Chronicles. This is all before everything I just said. First Chronicles 29, David says, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God, over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. 3,000 talents of gold and 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings. David gave 110 tons of gold. 110 tons of gold. David gave $6 billion dollars billion with a B, so that the temple of God might be built. Everything that I just listed that happened in that temple, and God could have found other ways, but everything that happened in that temple actually started with a move of generosity. And I'm going to boldly say this, not shrink back, we're going to do the same. We're going to start our relocation process in the same way that the nation of Israel did. We're going to start it with an end-of-the-year campaign saying we want to sow into the building because we don't know what's going to happen there, but we're pretty sure it's going to be significant, and it's probably worth our resources. So many things in the temple started with generosity, and so we get to do the same. Uh, We're calling this Project Home. Project Home because we have a home. And we want to make uh, this pile of strategically laid brick and mortar become a home to us and become a home for so many that are not even in this room or do not call this church home yet. We do this and we sow generously because of the generosity of God. I say this a lot, but because of what he did, this is what we do. Because of the generosity of God, we turn around and live generous lives that so into the kingdom. And so, Project Home, I want to tell you a little bit about this, this end-of-the-year campaign that we're raising money to make this place feel like home. First of all, um, this is, and this is just practical, if you call this place home and you are giving regularly, this is above and beyond um, what you're giving regularly. And if you're not giving regularly and you call this place home, I think you got to start. Not because like, I need your money, but because like, this is an act of God that he can get more access to your heart when generosity starts to happen.
But this is above and beyond what you're like giving. So don't like cancel your recurring gift and then just put it in the project home. Like kids' toys don't mean much if we can't pay our kids leader. Worship equipment doesn't mean much if we can't pay our electric bill. So like this is above and beyond. Um, and so uh, above and beyond what we're normally giving. And here's what we're going to be uh, moving towards. Um, uh, for, well, first of all, actually, I should say this. This is, this is crazy. This is crazy. Uh, we're building into this fund to make this place feel like home. We're buying this building with no debt. Amen. That's like super rare. Uh, two reasons that can happen. First of all, three reasons. First of all, God's awesome. Second of all, uh, God has given us this building for way, way less than, uh, than we thought we would have to pay. Third of all, we get to buy this building primarily. Now, some of it is coming from within, but primarily because of the generosity and the belief that churches and people in Arizona, California, Tennessee, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Kentucky, and Maryland have chosen to sow into us. This is not just like a little swell of an Ohio movement. This is a nationwide movement that so many places have said, no, we want to be in for that. And, and so we're buying the building debt-free because of the generosity of them. We're making this place home because of the generosity of us. It's, uh, it's like mom and dad bought you a car, and now you've just got to pay for the gas. Like, great deal. And, uh, and so here's what we're doing. Here's the details of Project Home really quickly. though. We, we'll be talking about this uh, for the next uh, few weeks. We are trying. No, we are going to. misread my notes. We are going to raise $90,000. And that sounds crazy. Here's another crazy thing. It's day one, and we have $45,000 right now. That's insane. Uh, two, two families have kind of like jumped ahead of this um, and said, like, we want to we make this happen. We want to get a bunch of momentum. So two families have given a combined $45,000. That's just crazy, guys. And so we're saying to the rest of the church, okay. We can do the rest. Um, so we're trying to raise, we're going to raise $90,000. Here's what I'm asking. I'm asking, um, again, another like bold statement. I'm asking for 100% participation on this. Um, 100% participation. And if that means, and I won't say anything in private or on stage, if that means you have to ask me for $10 so that you can turn around and give that, I want you to do that. I want everybody that calls this place home to have a stake in where we're going. So I'm asking for 100% participation of that, and it's because of what he did. Because of what he did, this is what we do. Because of the generosity of God, we sow back into generously his kingdom. This is, a, this is an end-of-the-year campaign, but we're going to actually take it uh, through J- January 15th. We know Christmas bonuses happen, but uh, this is like one time, like we want to have cash in the bank by January 15th, and I'm going to ask you, and, uh, and if you have a family here, like would you consider, would you pray? And ask the Lord, Lord, what, what am I supposed to give to Project Home? I'm going to sow into um, this place. And what we're doing with the money is, first of all, the needs. There's just some needs of an older building. Um, we have a slide for that. Uh, new roof, kind of important, especially if you like that basketball court. That's where the roof is. So uh, this thing is going to need a new roof. Kids ministry, it's an older building that's just... It needs revamped in certain areas, specifically our kids' ministry. We need to make that place a little safer and, um, and just more like bright and inviting uh, with some like new toys and curriculum and things like that. And so uh, new roof, 
kids ministry. And then we got an organ. This is awesome, but it's not really set up for like the way that we do a lot of things. Um, and we want to honor the history and it's beautiful. We're not like taking out the stained glass. Oh no. Uh, but we need to make it a little bit more updated for at least the way that we play worship music, have like even a screen. Um, and so those are the three big needs. We also, uh, we're a church that tithes. So everything that comes in here, 10% goes right back out. So we're going to also be giving, it's probably actually a little bit more than 10%, but giving to a ministry that we love, Block, uh, the founder, Dwight, he spoke last week. Um, they are starting a girl's home uh, for women that are coming out of like difficult situations. So we're going to be giving a portion of all of this to Block for that. Uh, a new church planting initiative that we're a part of. We love church planting because we are one, and uh, without other generosity, we wouldn't be here. And then also counseling. Um, this has just kind of become clear. We, uh, we don't have a counseling pastor on staff, and uh, I am so ill-equipped for anything above like the spiritual. And, uh, but there's uh, times that people need counseling from within our church, and, uh, and also don't have the money. And so we want to set aside a little bit of money so that if people need counseling in our church, uh, we could pay for it because there's just not someone here on staff that can do that. And so we've got money coming in, making it look like home. We also still want to be generous with whatever comes in and so into those three things um, because we want to make this place feel like home. We want to make this place feel like home. Uh, a few, so before I lived in Cincinnati, a lot of you guys know this, I lived in Vegas, Las Vegas. Catherine and I moved there um, when we were 24. Um, and we lived there, it was about this time, uh, it was the first Christmas that we were there. We were trying to come home to Indiana. And uh, Catherine had already flown home. She was seeing her family a little bit ahead of time. But I had not flown home yet. And I have uh, I'm recovering from this, but I have this condition where I have to buy the cheapest flight possible. <laughs> no matter if the layover's in Maine and then like Phoenix, uh, I just, and it's saved 80 bucks. And I am recovering from it. But uh, I, especially back then, we didn't make a ton of money. And so I booked the cheapest flight possible to make sure I could come home for Christmas. I'm 24, I'm out in Vegas by myself. It's my first like winter there, Catherine's gone. And I get to the airport. And it's not important what airline I flew. It's Denver-based. Um, but it, it's really not important. It's a budget airline. It's Denver-based. Um, it, it, it adds nothing to the story if I told you. It, you probably wouldn't even know. It rhymes with Lantier. Um, anyway, I book a, a, a flight on this mysterious airline. And I show up, and they're like, hey, we canceled your flight. And usually that's no big deal because normal airlines like, are like, oh, and we got one two hours later. Not, not this one. Uh, when you book them, they're like, yeah, we got one in six days. Uh, and they, they, what they told me is, don't worry, we're gonna get you out uh, in 30 hours from now. You might not love it because you have to then sleep in the Denver airport for 12 hours, so you're, you're gonna get home about 50 hours later than what you thought. And I'm going home for about six days, I'm doing the math, this doesn't make sense, and I'm starting to lose my mind because the storm wasn't my fault, but everything else was. Everything else about that story was my fault. I booked the flight through a cold city in the middle of winter, and I knew better. I called my dad, and I'm just losing it. And, uh, and I just go. I mean, I just like, for about 10 minutes straight, and I'm you know, probably cursing everything west of the, the Mississippi. 
And uh, I'm like, this is awful. I'm not, you know, I'm not even going to go home. You know, the, the, the buffets are open in Vegas. I'll just do Christmas by myself here in Vegas. I'll just, I, I, it's not even worth coming home because the stupid airline canceled my flight. And then Denver, why is it snow in Denver? Who even likes snow? And, uh, you know, you go on like a little bit of a rant. And my dad, who's here th- this morning, I remember I'm on the phone with him. He's at work. And he said, look, Christopher, which is what my family calls me, uh, I just checked the internet. And there's a flight that leaves in an hour out of Las Vegas. It's direct to Indianapolis. Uh, go to the terminal. Just get on that flight. Don't worry about the cost. Just come home. Just come home. And there's so many implications that we could take from that story. But my father, like any good father, or like the father, knows that the best place that we can be is home. The best place that we can rest and be relaxed is at home. He knew the best place for someone doing this was in the safety and the comfort of home. Uh, And we know this church is more than just a building, right? Church is so much more than a building. But so is a home. A home is safe. A home is a place of recovery. A home is a place that we can come to so that we can go back out. I love my home. Catherine and I, uh, we've made this place, I think, really safe for us. But most of the pivotal moments of my life are actually outside of that home. But I'm only able to do those things because of the safety and the presence and the comfort of my home. I think it's the same for the church the band can come up. And I want to say that, um, just so we know, because there's sometimes a little weirdness of, oh, we're getting a building, so we're going to not be missional and uh, not be mobile. And those are usually the people that don't set up signs <laughs> and uh, wheel out carts. But I want to say this, just so we know. We're, um, we're not going home to retreat. We're going home to revive. We're not going, we're not looking for a home. We haven't been searching and praying for a home so that we can retreat from the world. We're going there so that it can be a place of safety and revival for us. I actually think the most pivotal moments in our church will still be outside of the bricks of that wall, outside of that building. But there's something powerful and safe and restful about a home. And so the invitation this morning is twofold. Uh, Would you consider praying? And would you consider stewarding? Would you pray? Would you first pray this thing over the finish line? We are so close. Second, would you consider stewarding the things that have been given to you? Specifically with this, um, your financial resources. Would you consider stewarding into home? Would you consider giving to a place that we believe so many great things are going to come out of? Uh, Like every Sunday, we have um, prayer available. I'll be back there. And uh, we have uh, just worship that we're going to sit in the Lord's presence and uh, tell him thank you. Also, we have the Lord's table um, for anybody that would say, yeah, I've uh, chosen to follow Jesus. Um, That's a way that we remember uh, what he did because of what he did. This is what we do. What he did is he gave his life for us. Um, But we're about to sing how the presence and the favor of God has been on his church. And I want to say, I think the presence and the favor of God has been on this church specifically. And that's worth celebrating. That's worth being really excited about. It's worth getting behind and putting our energy into. And so let's celebrate the God who uh, is behind us and who is for us.